Welcome to Hey Psyche, How Do I? My name is Chris Hatfield. I'm your podcast host. I'm the founder and coach of a company called Sales Psyche and have devoted my time in the last 15, 20 years to all around mindset and mental well-being. Hey Psyche, How Do I? is all about answering those questions that we often pose to ourselves subconsciously or consciously on a daily basis, but don't always know where to start with. None of these long drawn out interviews, five minute podcasts, giving you practical insights and takeaways for you to be able to implement further. So enough about this, let's get started. On today's episode, I'm joined by Benjamin Dennehy, the UK's most hated sales trainer. Now, a lot of you will know who he is, probably tuning into this because you've seen the advertise. Benjamin has built a strong reputation in this space for being upfront and staying true to his personality. He'll tell you he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he doesn't want to or need to be. And he's got some really fascinating insights. And today we're going to be delving into all around the mindset side of things when it comes to sales. First of all, what gets in the way or gets lost in translation, whether it's training and supporting sales teams related to their mindset, how reps can become better at dealing with knockbacks and avoiding constant comparison with others. And also he's going to be sharing some of his defining moments that led him to where he is today. So sit back and enjoy. Benjamin, welcome. How have you been? Oh, I've been very well, yes. Uh, it's finally a bit of rain and, uh, yeah, a bit down. The Queen's passed on, but uh, other than that, uh, all is good, yeah. Yeah, good. Good to hear. I find this uh, this weather starts to allow people to feel more comfortable in hibernating uh, and also saving on their bank balance as well as a result. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, again, thank you so much for, for putting some time aside to talk. Obviously, we've, we've crossed paths a couple of times um, recently during a – work at, at Clavio as well and uh, I really appreciate what you do from yes. afar and also directly to your face as well. Well thank you very much Greg. I appreciate that it's nice. You're welcome so what I wanted to talk about with you today and, and as we were talking about beforehand is a little bit different to what you you normally talk about but my background and what I focus on a lot is all around the mindset and mm. and particularly mental health of, of those people in sales and I think mindset is something that often gets neglected and I I see a lot through your posts as well, almost indirectly, probably talking about mindset a lot of the time as well as to how you um, can be successful and how you deal with some of those knockbacks along the way. So I'd love to dive into that angle with you today and, and hear your perspective on it. Happy to. Let's do it. Great. So first of all, what are sort of one or two areas, and this is probably a whole array of things, but maybe if you were to pluck one or two that come to mind, yeah. areas or specifics that you think get neglected or aren't really thought about when training or supporting sales teams with their mental health, whether that's someone coming in brand new or or just in general, the ongoing aspect of it. Now, I'm going to do what I always do because it's it's my nature. Uh, the term mental health is so broad. What do you mean exactly by mental health? I just want to make sure I'm answering the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when I, when, I, when I talk about this aspect from the mindset side of things, I'm talking about how from an array of how they deal with knockbacks from their mindset, how they deal with building their resilience, how they manage emotions like stress, anxiety, all those kind of things that go on in their head. Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, well, sales is the hardest, easiest job in the world. It's a way to describe it. It is hard, but it's also incredibly easy. I can't think of any other profession. Maybe banking is the only exception where you pretty much get to print your own paycheck so there are lots of rewards now obviously the bigger the rewards are the bigger the falls though the bigger the pitfalls the bigger the depths that one can sink and so um 
like anyone. I don't like the word battle because I think the word battle's used way too often. We all experience uh, mental issues. You know, we all feel anxiety. We at times all feel depressed and down. And that's most of the time it's perfectly normal. It's, it's just the way the human's designed. But it can be sales is particularly challenging. And I think one of the reasons why the mindset of salespeople is so poor is goes back to something everybody knows I say is that because 90 percent of people in sales don't even want to be there yeah you know the, yeah it's they needed a job they needed something to do or they saw someone in sales and thought well I could give that a go or whatever it is so for the most part most people are doing something that deep down they didn't ever really want to be doing that can be that creates an internal challenge and a conflict because if you're doing something that deep down you don't really care for you don't tend to do it very very well and doing a doing a job like sales not very well means you're going to have a lot more headaches and challenges and it is extremely stressful because you're constantly fighting yourself as well as fighting with prospect so i i think areas that are underestimated is um, one is really getting people to appreciate, are you going to stay on sales and is this what you want to do? Then you need to make a conscious decision. I want to do this. I think that was the most liberating thing for me was coming to the conclusion I wanted to be in sales for the rest of my life. Yeah, this is it. This is my yeah. career. So I, I trained as a lawyer. I qualified as a barrister. I wanted to be, I spent five years studying and did everything, you know, and it was hard. And then I qualified and I haven't done it because of various reasons. One being I have the wrong personality, which no one ever told me. So I fell into sales. But then I came to a point where I realized, you know what, if I get really, really good at this and I master it and I treat it just like I treated law and I put in as much effort to study and understand it and then I live and breathe it, this could be a really, really fulfilling, rewarding and profitable um, way of living. And that's how I do it. I live and breathe everything that I teach and do. So that's the first thing I've accepted. This is my lot in life. Mm. And it's no longer my lot. It's what I want to do. So that's the first thing. I, and I don't think enough salespeople do that. They don't acknowledge they want to do this. And this is why they give themselves all these stupid job charges, like account manager, business development rep, right? Yeah. No one wants to admit they're in sales, yeah? So that's the first thing. I think the other thing is, is the belief that's ingrained into us as children, that people with money make the rules, that people that have the gold, you know, the man with the gold makes the rules. And when you get in front of a prospect, uh, they see prospects as their superior. There is this level of deference to them and they do it. And a lot will not admit they do this. They said, no, I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe for one minute that my prospect... <laughs> Really? Then why is it when I watch and listen to you, you sound just like someone who is deferring and who is demurring to them? They don't see it when they're doing it because they think it's just part of their pattern. But when you objectively look back, you say, no, you don't challenge them. You don't ask tough questions. You go along with bullshit answers. Why? Well, you know, you know, you, 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 know, you don't want to upset them. You know, you need them to be your friend because if they don't like you, they're going to buy for you. Right. And it's like, no. This is why it's so tough. If you spend your whole life trying to make strangers be your friend, no wonder you got mental health issues, right? So, yeah. so it's um, accepting that you're in sales for life and trying to get good at it and recognizing your prospects aren't your better. I think those are two things. I was literally just talking to a client and he said it's very liberating. I said, extremely liberating. I said, with the exception of the monarch, there's no one in Britain who technically is not my equal. 
I think the monarch is the only person you can all say, well, no, technically they're not your equal because they, they're at the top. Everyone else is my equal. Prime Minister's all the way down. So I can talk to them the same way I talk to anybody else. Salespeople don't do that when they're engaging with prospects. And that mm. causes a lot of stress, a lot of um, mental anguish, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree there. I think that second point as well, I think when people put someone or a general group like prospects in that sort of hierarchy, it's almost like that instant fear of loss is there and you've you've then got something to lose. When, of course, I know you talk regularly about not being emotionally attached to the outcome of, of what you're doing is, is focusing on what you can control and you can't control those kind of things. You can only control your actions. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So focusing on what matters. Uh, and and the other thing is, is understanding why you do what you do and why you react the way you react is also important because you're doomed to repeat things. And so when I work with salespeople, I say, well, why did you answer that question? And I go, well, because he asked. I know he asked, but why did you answer? Well, well, because you have to. What do you mean you have to? Where did, where did that come from? And then go all the way back to what you were taught as a kid about if you're asked a question by anyone older in authority, you have to give an answer. And then prospects, I mean, salespeople get in front of a, a CEO or a managing director or a director of, and you're an account manager or a BDR or whatever, and they fire questions. You know, they feel, I've got to answer. It's like, well, no, mm. you don't. And so again, this is where I say, this is the demurring. Well, well the, the person in authority has asked me a question. I've got to tell them what they want to hear. No, you don't. But, but, but what do I do if I don't? Well, then that's what you got to learn how to do. That's called being a professional. How do I react in this moment as opposed to just do what I've been programmed to do? So that again, again, your programming interferes with your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember going way back, uh, I think it was the pitching point where I actually played this game with you where you have to answer a question with a question as opposed yeah. to try to answer it directly. And and you know that was a that was a really good experience. I really enjoyed that. But as you say, I think loads of a lot of people, the majority, probably the minority, <laughs> isn't in this. Yeah, will go straight to it because they think, well, you oh, I'm yeah, good. you can't help yourself because it's what you were programmed to do your whole life. It's a default mm. position, a habit, actually, uh, and so it's a bad habit. Yeah, it's a habit you've got to break. Uh, and if you're a slave to your habits, which you are, uh, they're going to make you miserable. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And I see a big problem with that as well with sales managers and leaders. You know, they, they're almost like it's very sort of hypocritical when they're trying to encourage them. But this is where a lack of coaching often takes place is someone will come to them with something and they'll just tell them or they'll just assume what they mean without actually asking what is behind this reason, what's actually going on. Well, I agree. I don't think the word leaders and sales should ever be put in the same sentence to be perfectly honest. And before anyone says, well, you call yourself a sales leader. Actually, I don't. I just call myself the most hated sales trainer. So no one can ever accuse me of uh, saying I'm a leader. People just like my stuff because they know it works. But I've never mm. seen because I'm a guru or a genius at it. I just say I'm hated. So no, I don't think there are a lot of leaders in sales uh, because most people who move up the sales, why would a decent salesman want to be a manager? I mean, you've got to ask yourself that question. Why on earth would you want to be a manager? So the people that tend to become managers are people that want to get out of sales. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, really? So your sales leader doesn't even want to be doing the thing that he's leading. You know, I can see why that doesn't work too well. Mm. Honestly, I've sat in meetings. I don't know what the average sales director does because when I talk or listen to them answer questions, it's like, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I think you're just saying stuff that sounds good. But there's no substance behind it because you're saying exactly what a rookie novice would say, which is weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, going back to your first point earlier on as well, I've, uh, I've created this resilience test this year, and one of the components of resilience is commitment of how of what you have in your life that you're committed to, and it, it very it lends itself very well to that point. You say if you're sort of falling into something, there isn't necessarily a level of commitment as to why you want to pursue and push through that difficulty, so that when it does arise, you're kind of like, well, if it's just the money, which a lot of people do go in for, then it's not really going to help you be able to build that resilience and think, yeah, I want to stay the course. No, I agree. Money is a byproduct of doing something well. Uh, mm. I think people forget that. Uh, if your motivation or purpose is solely money, then don't. <laughs> yes, yeah, some people may make it, but they've got other qualities actually that give them a certain drive. It's not the I want to make money that made me successful. That's not it. It's 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 actually these guys were up every day at eight thirty hitting the phones. Yeah. They didn't just mm. keep saying, I want to make money, I want to make money. They actually went out and did what they had to do to make money as opposed to just sit back and hope it come to them. And like I say, most salespeople, how'd you become a salesman? I fell into it. You you, you, you talk to a lawyer or a surgeon and say, how'd you become a lawyer? How'd you become a surgeon? I, I very rarely will any of them say, oh, I don't know, I just kind of fell into it. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> fell into law school. Professionals. No. no, definitely. One of the things that I'm always mindful of as well, particularly on podcasts, is you know people can talk about stuff for an hour and people can walk away and go, well, what did I get from that? I think it's important to provide people with some like practical things. So some of the common challenges that I hear, like in, I work with sales reps and, and teams and one-to-ones yeah. -one and in groups, and some of the common things that come up, first of all being is like this over-comparison with other people is, of course, constantly comparing yourself to those around you and almost feeling like no matter how well you do, someone else is going to be doing better. There's a couple of things, but with that one in mind, what, what advice or practical things would you encourage people to to focus on to, to tackle that? Yeah, well, obviously you can spew out all the trite lines that most people spew out these positive mental attitude sort of things. Is We all know, it's crazy we have to keep having, we all know you shouldn't compare yourself to someone else. We all know that, right? And we, we probably set it ourselves and we probably set it to a friend in a moment of comfort, mm. but it's easy to say things and not believe them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, what I would say is this, there's nothing wrong with seeing someone who's successful and wanting to be like them. That's not problem. But don't focus on the success. The question you should ask is not, I want to have as much money as them. It should be, what did they do to get there? What is it that this, why did he win that deal? And I know it wasn't mm. his winning personality. What did, what, did what, what was he did or what is it that she did? And then you look at how they did it. And then when you start, and then you go, okay. And then you look at all their other sales. You go, they keep doing the same sort of thing. You go, I don't do that. Then that's what you should admire. So I want to take the behavior that drives success, but I don't want to be like them. There's a lot of people I admire. I don't want to be like them, but I like what they've done. And I look at it and say, well, how can I nick or copy or steal or whatever term is appropriate or imitate? what it is that they do and make it successful for me. So focus on not being like someone else, but focus on mirroring someone's behavior that is successful. Mm. Uh, and then you'll have your own success. Cause see, how do you define success? It goes back to that as well. I mean, I did a post about this recently and, you know, people say to you, if you're so good at what you do, why don't you have like a Learjet? or, or uh, uh, a private yacht and all these things and the first yeah. answer is first of all i don't have all that money so that's a first uh, up front yeah secondly i don't actually want any of that that's not me yeah that, that certain type of person wants that and it's not actually uh me so how did i have to define success in my world was i went on the um 
Institute of Financial Studies, and I looked at income. You know, you got that bell curve. And 0.5% of people in the UK, 0.5 in one of the wealthiest, most developed countries in the world, 0.5 earn more than £235,000 a year. It's a tiny number. That, for me, was my dare. I want to earn every year two hundred thirty-five k. So whenever someone says to me, well, how do I know you're really good at what you do? It's like, well, I am in the 0.5% of all UK earners year on year. So if, if that's not success, if it's success is a yet, then no, that's the 0.01%. Mm. So, so you can always keep moving this. But no, I think being in the 0.5% is pretty good. Being in the 1% is pretty good. Being in the 5% is pretty good, right? Just don't want to yeah. be in that. Yeah, and so you've got to have a, a reasonable expectation of success. Success isn't celebrity fame for everyone. If, if everybody was famous, then it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be success. It would be normality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a whole different conversations there of LinkedIn at the moment. I know you've talked about that regularly recently with people's sort of perception there. And I think I always say to people, if you want to go and find somebody who's doing better than you, you will always find it. Like if you want to get yourself into that headspace, you you can find it instantly. And Ooh. it's, you know, it's not social media's fault. It's your perception of, of what you want to do there with that. I think, you know, one of the things that, you mentioned now i always encourage people to do as well is the more you look at someone from afar and and say oh look they they're so good at this they're so good at that the more you'll build this kind of faux mindset around them like they're in competition with you and if they're winning you're losing or for you to win they have to lose but the sooner you actually go well what is it that actually got them there and how can i learn from them and the, the sooner you start to see them as valuable and the more you can learn from them and the more you the less likely you are to be intimidated by them but a lot of that is doesn't say anything about them it says it more about you i'll speak to people and they'll say this person you know they've come in and i feel like this towards them i said well if you were on target or if you were above target how would you feel and they were well, i probably wouldn't be thinking about them so it's not about them it's about you no yeah again we're all selfish self-interest human beings are very selfish we're also very stupid we tell each other lies everyone says i know money's not important but then they measure themselves against someone that's got more money but look <laughs> at a lot, look at a lot of people that have got a lot of money they're not very nice people, a lot of them. Yeah. I'm not all rich people. No, I'm not, I don't want to paint that brush. It's a terrible. What I'm <laughs> saying is you've got to be careful what you what you want because some of these people have the worst relationships with their family. And everyone says family is the most important thing. So why then are you admiring or measuring yourself against someone who's got more money than you, but their family life is awful. They're divorced. Their kids don't talk to them. I mean, it's so you've got to put it in perspective. Admire their behavior, but don't admire the person. I don't think you should ever mm. worship you can say i like qualities they have i wish i could can i learn that but never say i want to be that person i want to be yeah. like that's wrong yeah. that's wrong and you'll never be fulfilled because then someone else will come along as you say there's always someone better at something than you so yeah mm. and it's ironic the person you're better wanted to be better like they're, they're looking at someone else saying i wish i was better like this. yeah this race it's an unwinnable unattainable thing yeah and when you get there as you say you'll then be if you stay in that mindset you'll get to that point and then you'll think oh what's next what's next and not actually enjoy what you're in and that's it all. it's very hard to feel fulfilled as a human being when you have no money you want money when you get money you're scared of losing money so then you need to make more money to make sure you don't lose and then you and it's like but it should not be sitting back and relaxing no no you can't because now you've got your nest you don't want to lose your nest yeah <laughs> and it's like where's the peace where's the fulfillment and, yeah uh, it isn't there and, and you've got to just be content there's a i think it's paul the apostle says always be content no matter what mm. the circumstances. contentment 
is one of the keys to happiness. Just no matter what your circumstance, try and be happy. Try and see the positive in it. It will change too. And this is the other thing. Nothing's permanent. Everything changes. And I think dulls people think having a bad month is going to last forever. It doesn't last forever. It's going to last for a few weeks. Mm. You'll get out of it it faster if you acknowledge that actually this doesn't have to last if I change my behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And focus on what I can control rather than what has happened or what I can't do anything about, which leads you to stay in that position for longer. That kind of links, I suppose, to the, the second thing I hear quite regularly. And we, we probably touched on this at the start, but what about handling knockbacks and, and sort of failure when you're not hitting target and you have those deals that fall through or, um, you know, those yeah. those situations? What are some of the things that work for you? Because you're in that situation as well. Yeah. So failure, well, first of all, you, uh, you have to accept. And again, it sounds trite because everybody says it. You have to accept that failure is a part of life and there's nothing wrong with failure. There is something wrong with repeated failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone that's been married three times, then you're probably a pretty shitty husband or wife, right? There's something wrong there. Yeah. So that's failure. Yeah. Um, losing a deal. If you lose a deal, say it's a big deal, you had all this writing on it, you go away and you look at what you did and you figure out what did you do wrong? Because it will be something that you probably did unless it was something intervening act that you had no control over most of the time so where did you go wrong and then say to you okay why did i go wrong how did that happen what will i do different next time but if you don't do that and you repeat the same mistake and lose a deal and then you repeat the same then you're an idiot yeah and of course you're going to feel these things so yeah so um failure is good and i point this out to all my clients everything you do right now that you take for granted that you don't even think of was the result of untold failure none of us could walk talk read or write all of this that we now do without a second thought. How many years did it take you to get good at any of that? Yeah. Untold failure. But because it happened at such a young age and our brain has pushed those memories so deep that we don't, you know, aren't able to recall them. We don't remember that. And then now an adult and it's like, no, I've got to be able to do everything instantly and straight away. And I've got to get it. Mm. No, you can, you don't learn from success. Some of the most miserable sales meetings I've had have been the ones that just go so easy. It's like, you come out and it's like, Oh man, they just—they've just basically given me money. So I like the money, but it's like there's no fight in this anymore. There's no battle. It's like it's—and you kind of miss it when it goes. But when you fail, you feel it, and then you have to go away and ask yourself, "Why did I fail? How did this happen? And what do mm. I have to do to change?" And that's the fun bit because change is what gives growth. And I want to change and keep growing. If everything goes my way the whole time, I think I'd be miserable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely agree on those those two points. So I think for me, like I talk about failure in three different ways, like three types. There's preventable, there's complex, and there's intelligent. And it's understanding like which of those it is, because as you say, if you keep doing it and it's preventable failure, and you've you know beforehand I shouldn't have done that and I did, then yeah, that is something. But if it's intelligent, you've never done it before, then then great. How would you know? It's you know we look at these things and we think afterwards of hindsight I should have known that. But as you said when you're younger. Imagine looking at a handwriting book going now, going, I should know how to write an H, but I can't. But I know if I keep doing it, I will. It's the same kind of mindset there. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's it's really interesting in sales. I, I don't know if you said this once, but I heard it from someone where, you know, it's it's funny old game because you can lose the majority of your deals and still be very successful. But when we lose a deal or something happens, we act like it's the end of the world. When it's like we know the grand scheme of things, that's part and parcel of it. 
Well, then it comes back to the attachment thing, the no attachment. So whenever, it, if any salesperson ever comes to me and says, I lost a deal, my first question is, okay, tell me when you had it. Mm. The only time you can lose a deal is if someone puts money in your bank account and then they take it back out. That's losing a deal. Until you get money in a bank account, you've never lost a deal. Yeah, so I don't believe in loss. My question is, okay, no, you didn't lose it. So the question is, what did I do wrong that prevented me from getting what I should have got? That's my fault. That I can look at, yeah? And it's not Brexit. It's not the economy. It's not the Queen's death. It's none of those things. Yeah, you've done something wrong. Figure it out. Learn from the mistake. Learn from the failure. The failure is going to make you more money in the long run. I've made more money from all my failures because I've taken a lesson and I've applied it. And having applied it, I've won a new bit of business. And it's like, I can actually directly market. That's the point. Because normally, I would have lost it there. But I didn't. So... Yeah. So that's the important thing. You can't lose something you never had. No one's ever lost a sale. They've mm. never had. So it change again, that changes how you think about things. Well, I didn't lose it. No, we just didn't win. Why didn't we win? That's the question. Why didn't we? What did we do wrong? And what do we do different next time? Yeah. Yeah. From from your perspective, you talked about earlier on coming out as a lawyer and then well most are yeah, yeah falling into sales but what obviously this this um brand you've built for yourself which is obviously very much you it's not something that's like this sort of on top of who you are but yeah. how did you get to this point like was there some definitive moments you can think back and go yeah this is something that really shaped me talking about i suppose related to that failure there that that gave you some of these sort of thoughts and, and mindset around it there were moments it's a series of sort of events that culminated, I guess. So one was uh, I needed, obviously, I fell into Zales. I needed a job. And my first job was in recruitment. And I, I remember going for an interview. This was someone with the company that hired me, but it was with uh, uh, another company. And the, the girl interviewing me at the time, uh, she said to me, do you know what recruitment's all about? Do you know what it is? I said, well, it's getting people jobs. She said, no, it's not. Uh, so I don't know. She goes, uh, She goes. well, I think, go away. If you know the answer to that, phone me back. And I remember I went away, I thought, well, that's, that's a good question. Uh, and I um, I phoned her up and said, I don't know. She goes, it's sales. That's all this job is, it's selling. And so that was one most, that's the first thing. So something that I thought, recruitment, because I remember when I didn't have a job and I'd, and I'd never really looked for one, people, recruiters were phoning me up offering me job interviews. And I remember saying, you got the easiest job in the world. You just phone people up and offer them <laughs> jobs. I mean, it's like, I, I want to do what you do for yeah. a living. Right? That's, that's what I thought. I thought, this is easy. And then it's not until sales. So I got my first job in recruitment with a different company. And yes, all it was was prospecting and canvassing, as they called it in the day, trying to get in front of people, trying to get jobs on. And that's all sales. Um, so that's when I suddenly realized sales was everything. So that was the first moment I realized sales was important. Then about 10 years later, I was in, I had my own prospecting business. So I would set up appointments for advertising agencies, a lead generator. And one of my clients, CEO of this agency said, you are really good. You're really good at what you do. He goes, why are you good? Why are you, we've you've loads of different people in our lives and we've done, he goes, why are you so good? And I said, honestly, he goes, I said, I don't know. And he said, if you can figure out why what you do works, he goes, you're going to make a lot of money because you're going to be able to show people. So that was the second moment. That's when I thought, hmm, maybe I should look into how 
why would I do work? So there's got to be a reason because I keep doing it. It keeps working. And that's a definition of a, a repeatable process. If something you keep doing works, then bottle it, package it and sell it, right? Then I came across a particular guy who's been a big influence on me, a chap called Marcus Kalki. And I met him and he's a sales trainer and he's got his own company and business. And he introduced me to some psychological concepts. And he helped me understand why a lot of what I was doing was working. And so I went from doing something to knowing why doing it worked. And then once you know why you're doing now you have purpose. Suddenly I have purpose to everything that I'm doing. And it was from meeting with him and then going out and just constantly refining and practicing and trialing and erroring, but using it so I can explain it. So everything I do, I can explain why I'm doing it and why it works. And people can all say, I can see why that would work if you're good at it. It wouldn't work if you're bad. No, it won't work if you're bad. <laughs> Yeah. And so that and so those three moments, I guess, they all sort of linked up. And then the final one, I guess, when it really hit me was I got in front of a CEO of a listed company. We spoke for about 90 minutes. And at the end of it, the guy just looked at me and said, I'll tell you what, Benjamin, he goes, I want to work with you. He goes, I don't know what you're going to charge. I don't know how much you're going to charge me. He goes, I know it'll be fair. He goes, but I just want to do something with you because he goes, I find you quite remarkable the way you've just conducted yourself. And I remember leaving that meeting thinking, well, that was good. And it's like, well, you must be really, really good at what you do for a guy just to say that. And he's the definition of success in British society. Worth yeah, million, yeah. runs a multi-million pound company. And for him to say that to me, a guy in a silly red hat with his braces, and it's like, so all these moments, and that's when it came to you, it's like, you know what? This is this is me. This is what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, I've met Marcus actually I've been on his pod and met him at an event last month as well and he is uh, he's a great guy to spend time with isn't he just constantly oh, he insights left right and centre from him he's an amazing man um, I love the guy to bits um, I think if anyone in the world of that I could think of that I would recommend people talk to about selling or managing salespeople it would be Marcus yeah he's mm. brilliant yeah. yeah do you often reflect on those moments to, to where you, you are now I do. And funnily, after this, I've got a phone call with Marcus because um, I've literally met someone today that I could help. But Marcus's skill set is a lot better in this particular area. So I've literally said, I'm going to introduce you to Marcus. But I have to have a chat with Marcus to see if he wants to, to, to have the introduction first. Mm. So, I, yeah, I reflect on these moments all the time because... Um, What's that expression? It took me 15 years to become an overnight success. You hear that phrase? Yeah. Everybody is looking for the instant fix, yeah? And you get, I get people say to me, well, it's all right for you, Benjamin, because you're a natural. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm yeah. not natural. Everything I do, I've had to learn. Yes, there was something that I did, but I didn't know why they worked, but I had to learn why they worked and get better. So I'm not a natural. I've just done the same thing over and over again, really well it's like the movie groundhog day yeah every day yeah. having the same day you suddenly can predict everything and everything is and it looks like yeah it's the same it's why lawyers are good it's why surgeons are good it's why athletes are good because all they do is literally the same thing over and over and over and over again that they're brilliant at it there's nothing particularly amazing you have some natural aptitude and a desire to want to do it but most people could do it if they really applied themselves mm. it's just most don't and most people in sales don't really want to be there so they don't really master their trade they just get by and you can yeah. get by in sales yeah yeah i yeah. think there's 
two two things there. I think that that point of doing that comes back to what we said earlier on about tackling that constant comparison with others. The more you can reflect on your own journey and recognize and self-comparison of where am I now compared to this time last week, month, year, the more you can start to look a bit more insular rather than external from it. Well, that's why I advise my clients to write a journal. Yeah. I've still got my old, I don't write one now, probably should, but I don't. But I look back at ones from six years ago and it's like reading the diary of a tortured salesman. It's painful. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and there's stuff in there that I said, this doesn't work. I'm crap at this. But now I look back and I'm so good at it. And it's like, I didn't even see the change because you don't see change in yourself. But I mm. read, I, I always show them to clients and I flick through them every now and then just to remind myself of how far I've come. And yeah. now I know why people look at me and say, I wish I could do what you do or be like you. It's like, well, you can be. You've just got to put in the five years of hard graft. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to, you know, just jump. No, very few people get to just jump into brilliance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the film Central Intelligence with The Rock where he asks him, um, how did you get so big? And he's like, oh, you know, it was just like working out five days a week for three years, like doing this, this and this. It's like, you know, as you say, it's 15 years to build. Yeah. Overnight yeah. Success. Like, yeah. And oh, he's so lucky. He looks so good and great. Yeah, He's worked at it. It's just yeah. Hacking. Yeah. yeah, and and the cop out sometimes is oh it's easier said than done. Everything is easier said than done. That is just a, a kind of like blocker you put in your head to go. Well, it's easier said than done, so therefore I shouldn't. I can't try it. I haven't got the time or the energy. Going back to what you said earlier about most people falling into sales, and I mm. think one of the things that can help with that is, as you said earlier on, if you're in it for just the money, you're not going to last long, or you shouldn't be doing it. Is if you can find the reason what you want to do with that money or what you can gain from it, that's how you can build a better, healthier relationship with actually thinking, I, I might have not in, wanted to do this, but I found a reason that I can actually get from it that isn't just like a promotion or money, but it's a byproduct from it. Then I can actually start to build more resilience and, and reason to want to commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. You need you need goals that surpass uh, money. Uh, and money... Does money money does money buy happiness? Um, I think the answer is money does make you happier. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that to, to anyone, the, the only people that say money doesn't buy happiness are people that don't have money because they need to say that to justify not having money, right? Yeah. So it is a lie. Money does make life a lot easier. Let's not lie. But it mm. doesn't bring happiness per se. So we've got tough times coming for a lot of people. A lot of people, mortgages going up. Um, power bills so a lot of people are going to be squeezed but if you i'm fortunate i don't have that it doesn't really mean i've got a buffer i'll be fine so i don't feel it i understand other people do but i still have to but i still see what i've saved chinking away yeah so i'm not worrying about where's the money coming from i'm looking at the money saying where's my money going yeah you know? it's just so you've it's a different side of the coin right but it's easier i'm not gonna lie and i'll be a lot it's, it's easier in my position but then you still have this, well, I need to make that back now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you focus on things. So I had clear goals. I wanted to buy our home, but not get a mortgage. That was the plan. It took me five years. I saved up and was able to buy a place for cash. Yeah, and that was, yeah. But that meant me working hard, getting really good at what I do. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Uh, and that was the goal. Yeah, and it seemed an impossible and that's why they, they, they have smart goals. I think there's one called dumb goals. I can't remember the acronym, but it means dreamy, unattainable, mad and bad or something like that. But you set goals 
that seem impossible to achieve because even if you get eight tenths of the way there, you've probably achieved a hell of a lot anyway. So aim high. Um, but yeah, don't let it be money. Don't mm. money. I had a friend said he wanted to set up his own business. And he said, wait, because I want to make more money. I want to make more money like you. I said, trust me, if you're going to quit your job to set up a business to make money, don't. Because for the next three years, you're going to be broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have some lucky break and the odds are slim. So if the one thing you're after, you won't get, you're going to quit. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to make your life even more miserable. No, no. Until you've mm. got a greater than money, don't do it. No. Because then, of course, you know, if you don't have that aspiration, that mountaintop, you don't have the people that are not motivated right now as well. If you haven't got an aspiration, something outside of it, who is going to be motivated by talking to 80 strangers a day? Like that isn't going to be fun unless you've got a reason to do yeah. it. Something bit. So for me to master selling, was it about the money? I knew that would be the byproduct, but it was a, this is a skill that if I get good at, I can go anywhere in the world and make money till I die. So it was mm. the security and the freedom that it bought. The money, great. But actually, I'm now secure. I'm free. I can go anywhere, pretty much. You can drop me in the middle, of, as long as it's English speaking, which is pretty much most of the world. Yeah. I yeah. can start selling. I can start a business because I know yeah. how to use yeah. the phone and I know what to say. And all I got to do, doesn't mean I'll be rich within the first year. It could be, yeah, it could take a couple of years, but I'll be off to make money from my time I hit the ground running. So it's a trade, like being a plumber or an electrician. You got that and go anywhere in the world. Mm. Yeah? yeah. So that's. Well, that was what drove me is I want a skill that I can take anywhere in the world and make money from to give me security and freedom and peace of mind, uh, which I now have. Yeah. But it, it didn't always feel like you'd get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Benjamin, you know, I, I talk about this all day. I find it really interesting. There's probably about four or five avenues you could have gone down as well, just for a particular podcast. And maybe we will again one day, but thank you so much for your, your time and, and your insights and also sharing your, your story of sort of how you've got from where you were to, to now in a more of a condensed version i'm sure there's a longer version maybe in a book one day that will be appearing <laughs> the ghost yeah <laughs> but um but yeah um if people want to find out a bit more about you and there'll be very few that don't know who you are where's the best place for them to go obviously linkedin so it's just my name or uk's most hated sales trainer again website uk's most hated sales trainer.com YouTube, UK's, I think you get the pattern here, right? Yeah, so that's how you find me. Um, and the best place to reach out to me is via LinkedIn. Um, yeah, so LinkedIn, YouTube, or my website. Great. Well, Benjamin, thank you so much again. And for listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, let me know how you find the episode and uh, feel free to fire any future questions at me as well. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, if you ever have any questions you want to pose for Hey Psyche, How Do I, get in touch on Instagram at hey psyche how drop me a message on LinkedIn Chris Hatfield or you can visit sellspsyche.co.uk for more around this catch you soon and stay mindful <laughs>